Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mindset to Mastery, the podcast. I'm your host, Keisha A. Rivers, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator of the CARS Group, where we facilitate outcomes by equipping people to embrace, manage, and lead through change. I am excited because I have uh, become a friend of mine now, not just a colleague, uh, Shalini Nag, who is joining us once again as a guest on this podcast. And I am so happy Shalini is a co-author in a new book that is available as of November 11th. Um, And so we're going to be talking a bit about um, her chapter in the book and some concepts that I know you will definitely, definitely want to take note of. So um, without further ado, Shalini, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing excellent. Thank you, Keisha. Super excited. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So one of the things that I really like um, is that we are going to have conversations primarily around business success. And there are so many different aspects that a lot of people like to talk about when it comes to, to creating success for your business. And I know that you have in your background, you have a structured approach to how to actually look at this, how to start having these conversations, and more importantly, how to really assess whether or not your organization is doing things in a way that will be more conducive to your success. So let's, let's start off with talking about, um, you know, there's good and then there's great. And there are a lot of different organizations that would say that they're good, but everybody wants to be great. (laughs) So what's a little bit of context um, in terms of what people should look at as being a good organization and a great organization and how you move from one to the other? Thanks for the question. So you know the famous book, right? Good to Great. So when I was thinking about the concept, what I realized is in today's day and age, being great isn't enough. Because great organizations have excellent structures, excellent processes, powerful leaders, Uh, They do everything right if you are in stable times. So they thrive when times are stable. But what's Mm -hmm. happening right now is because of all of the changes and the fast uh, changes that are occurring on almost on a day-to-day basis, you now need to shift to yet another level. You need to level up even great. And so I call these exceptional organizations, which are organizations that can adapt to uncertain times, to changes in trends to how customers are viewing your company or how pandemics are occurring, et cetera, in order to be able to really change and adapt and do things in a new way. So you remain relevant. So those are exceptional Mm -hmm. organizations. And I do believe that for a lot of companies that worked hard to become great, it is now time to level that game up and really move towards exceptional so they can adapt and thrive no matter what the conditions around them are. And I think that in this day and age, as you mentioned, it's not only changes in the marketplace, it's not just changes in um, and what's going on with your ideal customer. It is changes in the world and, and within your workforce because we're in the midst of a global pandemic and people are trying to figure out how to work from home or how to work at all. Um, there's social justice issues in, you know, here in the U.S., we're going through a really intense political time. So there are so many other things that go into and play into this notion of moving from good to great to exceptional. 
that go beyond just thinking about your products and your services? You are hitting the nail on the head there. We are affected like a business is not isolated, right? A company cannot function in isolation. We are part of an ecosystem. So everything mm -hmm. that actually happens in the ecosystem impacts us and we leave our mark on the, on the community, on the people, on the uh, country, on the region, wherever we are focused, wherever we are working, wherever we are providing our services, we are actually influencing them and being influenced by them. And one of the biggest trends that I've noticed recently is because of the advancement of all of the digital tools, a lot of times when there are issues that actually affect the organization, there is a tendency to go after the shiniest best tool in order to solve yeah. that problem. And often in attempting to do that quickly, we miss out on the, the wisdom, the skills, the creativity, the innovation that's already within our organization, within our people. And I think that makes a huge difference. And that is why it holds organizations back because they're focused more on the structures and systems and tools and not on who actually makes those tools what they are and generates that impact from those tools. Yeah, and that is the key point whenever I hear organizations talk about um, employee engagement is not a real thing. It's not something they really need to focus on or they say that um, developing a really solid community or having the right type of people in their organizations isn't that big of a deal because I can always train who I need to do what I need to do, but they really miss the mark when they're looking at achieving outcomes and they're looking at moving from good to great to exceptional. They're missing the mark if they're not really in tune with the people that they have in their organization and how do we make this a community where everyone feels like they can show up fully and wholly and authentically and they can focus on what needs to be done and how it needs to be done. So how are we supposed to, what advice would you give to organizations that are looking at ways for them to be able to, to build on success by really focusing on their people? within uh, the context of the, of the services and the products that they provide. So when I started thinking about this um, topic, one of the things that I did was actually go interview a lot of experts and leaders in organizations that were either great or exceptional. And what I discovered is that there was a common theme. The exceptional organizations are the ones that were, the, were able to pivot really quickly when the pandemic hit, or they were able to pivot really quickly when other triggers happened and really stay relevant in the market. The difference between them, I call it the success delta. It's an environment of high trust, high inclusion and high development. So it is not about having a lot of training and development courses available to the people. It is about ongoing development and actually having the mindset of ensuring that each and every individual is always growing and getting better. Because as each individual gets better, the whole team gets better. When the whole team is better, the, the organization is successful. Right. And you know, it's interesting that you talk about trust, inclusion, and development. Because I have heard of and talked to some people in organizations that feel like, I don't need to, you don't need to trust me, just do what I say. I don't need to include you in the conversation about what we're doing. 
just, you know, just, just, just follow directions. And, and when you're talking about development, they're like, well, the only development I need to do is to train you to make sure that you're able to do the task that I give you. Now, those organizations, as we found, especially in light of the global pandemic, those organizations have difficulty pivoting. They have difficulty being able to expand a niche or find a new niche. And they have a huge retention problem when it comes to their people. So when we are talking about trust and inclusion, and an inclusion does not just mean race and gender. And so it, it means feeling as if you're a part of something bigger than yourself. When companies embrace, as you call it, the success delta, are you finding that there are more of those companies that find it easier to move from great to exceptional because they have these three components? Yes, absolutely. So think about it. Um, high trust. You mentioned, you know, just do the task. If I am the one and I'm the only person thinking about what needs to get done, I will be limited by my worldview, by my knowledge and by my blind spots. If I am in a high trust environment, however, I no longer need to be the one with all the answers. As long as I'm asking the questions, I now have, if I have a team of five, I have six brains working on the problem, not one. And so that difference is critical when innovation and creativity are required because one, you know, two heads are always better than one and six heads are better than one. Right. And definitely for a company of 2000, 2000 is better than one. And also there have been, there's been a lot of data that shows that frontline workers often know about issues way before senior executives or senior leaders find out about them. And they often also know what the solutions are way before anyone else figures that out. If there is no trust, they will never feel comfortable coming up and actually sharing these ideas. And therefore a company is actually slowed down even though they don't mean to be slowed down or they're not, they are on paper doing everything right. And in fact, the numbers actually support this. So companies that have high trust, they have demonstrated three to four times return on the stock market compared to the, those that don't. And three to four times return on stock market, like if you want to translate it for private companies or nonprofits, stock market returns are directly linked to the comp company performance and the outcomes that they achieve. So if you are three to four times better on the stock market, that means you're performing three to four times better than your peers who don't have high trust. And the same holds true with inclusion. You mentioned how it's not just about gender or race or sexuality. The fact is that inclusion basically has two advantages. One, of course, is ensuring that people feel like they belong. So they proactively step up and try and solve problems. The other is when they feel uncomfortable, if you have a high trust environment, they, they step up and tell you that there is an issue that needs resolving. So there's voice, which is when they step up and generate ideas for you. And then there's avoiding silence, which is when they are facing trouble and they leave and don't tell you why they're leaving. Instead, they tell you what the issue is so you can fix it so they don't leave. And so your best people stay with you. And I think that it's, it, and, and that leads into a very interesting point because there are a lot of businesses that don't welcome that type of feedback. They don't welcome having those quote unquote difficult conversations and they really don't wanna have conversations at all. But your chapter in this book 
um, really focuses on the fact that there are conversations for business success that we need to have. And overall, if we want to be successful in business, whether it is a small company that has five employees or is a solopreneur or moving on up to some a company that that's a global presence that has, you know, thousands of employees, there are certain things that we have to look at when it comes to having conversations for business success. So I know that you'll, you'll outline some of those, but one, the first thing I want to talk about is what exactly are the right conversations? Because, you know, people are like, well, I talk about people talk, talk about things in my business all the time. We're always talking about stuff, but is it just the matter of you're, you're talking about things or is it that you're talking about certain things? You're right. It is talking about certain things when needed to generate the right outcomes. So if you think about the world of work, and I know you're familiar with this, any business needs to have at least four kinds of work, right? The first is innovation. So creating new things, creating new ideas, new products. There's getting to results. There is um, developing people. And then there's process and structural uh, integrity. If you are trying to innovate at that point in time, you need to have conversations of the type that allows you to in innovate. If you're focused on listen to me and do what I tell you, that's, that might be helpful for generating results, but it's not going to help you innovate. Mm -hmm. So it's really a question of figuring out what does your business need right now? And what are your discussions actually? What outcomes are they actually generating? So that's where the right conversations come in and it will be different at any point in time for a particular organization based on their business needs. And I think that that is key, that businesses really have to think long and hard about what types of conversations they need to have at certain times and that they need to have those conversations with certain people. Not everybody needs to be in the room. Not everybody needs to be in the loop. Not everybody needs to weigh in. Um, and so really, you need a leader who understands that there's a distinction between who needs to be in the room, what we're talking about, and what our expectations are, which I find severely lacking <laughs> in a lot of organizations. <laughs> Absolutely. You're, you're uncovering one of the biggest pain points that companies have, which is, or individuals working in companies have, which is we spend hours in meetings. When do we get work done? Mm -hmm. If you're spending hours in meetings and work isn't getting done in those meetings, then why are you having that meeting? If a conversation doesn't help move the needle forward, why are you having that conversation? And it, over here, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have con connection building conversations. That's important, but that's outside the scope of conversations for business. And we're not addressing them right now. But if you're having a meeting for work, then get some result. And if that result is, okay, this is a connection building uh, conversation. And especially now when we are all separated, if you have a meeting scheduled for everyone to get together and actually get to know each other as human beings, great. That's your outcome. Hopefully you actually do get to know each other and you're not all putting on a front and, and pretending to be somebody else, right? That's when your authentic selves can actually become friends. If that's the outcome you're desirous of, and that's what you're getting to, it's the right conversation and you're doing it right. If the outcome you're looking for is not occurring at the end of your conversation, then you've basically wasted a conversation and a meeting. Like you could have not had the meeting and you would have been just fine. Right. 
And I think that there, there's actually, you would think that if you are leading a team or a division or a department or a company, that you would know what the outcomes of your meeting should be. And people will tell me, well, we have an agenda. So the, the agenda is telling us what the outcomes are. And I was like, no, the agendas are telling you what it is that you're going to talk about, what it is you're going to do, but it is not setting the outcome for that meeting. The outcome is as a result, when we walk away, what do we want to have happen? What decisions need to be made? How are we going to move forward? Who's responsible for doing what? What type of work is going to show this? And I think because of the fact that so many leaders fail to set specific outcomes for meetings, for team, you know, for conversations, that they walk away feeling frustrated because now nothing's happening. They're just meeting for the sake of meeting, which, you know, we all love just being in a meeting just because, you know, especially in this day of everybody being on Zoom, <laughs> we're all loving just having a meeting <laughs> because you decided we wanted to have a meeting. So what advice do you give to leaders in particular who are trying to move their organizations, move their teams, move their departments from being okay to maybe being good and then especially to being exceptional? In light of everything that we're, we've been talking about, what would be the top three things you would tell them? I would say start first with your business outcomes. I think you spoke quite eloquently about that a, a minute ago, but really start with the outcomes you want and distinguish between doing work and getting work done. I think that it's a confusing concept for many. They believe that by doing work and staying busy, they're actually getting work done. But that's not necessarily true. What they need to do is focus on ensuring that they're actually getting work done. And the work that's getting done is linked directly to what the business needs. That's the first one. The second is if you're having the right conversation with the right people and you're doing it proactively, you really need to focus on the quality of the conversation. Because ultimately, 10 minutes of quality conversation will move the needle much further than an hour long meeting where half the people are on their computers and cell phones and the other half are basically dozing off or, or zoning out. So the quality of the conversation. Uh, and when you're focusing on the quality, there's just two things you really need to think about, right? The first is who is doing the talking? Don't talk at people. If you're a leader, ask questions and then wait for everyone to have spoken and then speak up. Because if you speak up first, you set the tone for the entire conversation. And if you're seeking ideas and concepts, that's not what you want to do. And the second is how does it make the people in the conversation feel? So that's where the tone comes in. If they feel like they're part of the conversation, they're able to contribute ideas and those ideas are being built upon if they're feeling valued because you're actually utilizing what they have to contribute, then that's a quality conversation. That's a generative conversation. Together, you're actually creating value. You're creating ideas. You're moving the needle forward towards outcome. And it is the exact opposite of a conflict where each of you is actually trying to pull the other one down. You know, and it's interesting that you talk about um, who's doing the talking and, and how if you if you sit in a meeting and you watch and you listen to one who does most of the talking 
Two, what happens if there's no talking at all? Like, does someone automatically step up and fill the gap? Um, what are the types of conversations that are going on? I can find out so much about an organization's culture and environment and how they work together and what type of, whether they have high engagement or whether they have high turnover, just by sitting in meetings and seeing the difference between what happens if there is a leader in the room, because sometimes people just sit and wait for the leader to set the tone, like nobody says anything. And it's amazing to watch. And then you go to another meeting where the leaders aren't in the room and everybody else is like, okay, so what are we gonna do? And here are our ideas and how are we gonna do this? So how are leaders supposed to shift that? Especially if you're someone and you feel like I need to take charge and I need to make sure this is happening. And so your natural inclination is you start the meeting by telling people what is going to happen. But then you find that you don't get a lot of engagement. You don't get a lot of back and forth. You don't get a lot of suggestions. What are some things they can do to kind of shift that narrative and, and shift that, that perception? So, in, you know, in our previous conversation, we talked about appreciative inquiry, and I'm going to take us back to that again. So appreciative inquiry is value added questioning. So with a positive note, ask questions. If you are the leader in the room and you step in and instead of having all the answers, you show up as the person with all the questions, you will get engagement because now it's not a question of saying yes to what you suggested or supporting your perspective. It's about answering the question. And so now, if especially if you're coming from the kind of culture where there's a hierarchical power play that is in the history, the fact that you've asked a question, your people are probably going to jump up and try and answer it because they want that approval. They're seeking that approval. And because they're seeking that approval, that's the best opportunity to actually retrain the behavior by en enabling them and creating that environment where you ask questions and they actually answer the questions. And then you help summarize mm -hmm. all of the different ideas. And the other thing I think is very important is to, when you're asking questions, make sure everybody in the room speaks. And if you have people, and if you know your people well, you know which ones are introverted and who needs to have some information beforehand and who is going to wing it no matter how much information you send them beforehand. So, you know, understand your people and really use that to ensure that everyone in the room speaks and shares their ideas. Because when they start sharing, it doesn't take very long for them to realize that that's their role. And then you can email them a question for the next meeting and they'll still answer all the questions. And after some time, you can stop that too. And then you'll have the second scenario that you described where the leader is not in the room, the team is really engaged. And then when you step in, you're basically in almost brought into the conversation rather than you creating the confines of the conversation. And I think that is a key differentiator between organizations that are good or great and the ones that are exceptional. And, and, I, and I find that a lot of times leaders aren't necessarily aware that this is what happens because they don't know what happens when they're not there. They don't ask what's happening when they're not there. And all they know is that when I show up to a meeting, I'm presenting, I'm giving you information, I'm giving you insight. Um, you know, here are the things that we're working on and this is what we're expecting and here are the different outcomes. And if people are always hearing your voice, 
and they're not hearing anyone else's in the organization. They're not hearing anybody else on the leadership team, but most importantly, they're not hearing any of their colleagues speak up or present or ask questions or give insight, then that's a lopsided, you know, dynamic that if, unless you switch that around, you're going to have major, major issues. So tell us, thank you so much for, for, for being here. You know, we can always go so much longer. Um, tell <laughs> us more about, about this book and how they can reach you and, and where they can find it. Um, I'm so excited for you being a part of, um, of this collaborative effort. This is the fourth edition of the book, this isn't is it? Yes, so this is volume four of an annual book series. The book is titled Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner. And this volume is going to be a gorgeous amethyst purple. And uh, it will be available from November 11th onwards. So um, there are a couple of ways to find the book. The first, of course, is on my website. I actually have a resources page and I will be uh, posting the link to go purchase the correct volume uh, on the day that it becomes available. As soon as the link is available, I'll do that. Uh, so they can visit that for sure. It's www.evidasolve.com forward slash brilliant because it's brilliant breakthroughs for the small business owner. And of course, you can learn more about me uh, on my website and also schedule calls with me through my website. But I am also extremely active on LinkedIn and I'm sure you're going to share the link in your notes. So connect with me on LinkedIn. I share content all the time. And most recently I've started doing videos so you can also hear me share some of these ideas and thoughts. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for, um, for joining us again. It is always a pleasure to have you. Um, congratulations again on um, on being a published author and being a part of this anthology. And I um, would love to put in a plug for her and, and just say in all the conversations that we've had, um, I think when we first connected, we just were like, oh my gosh, we're like sisters from another mother kind of thing. <laughs> and we have always had these really great in-depth conversations about what it takes for organizations to be successful, about how to optimize and bring out the best in your people and I can truly say that if you have any type of hope of creating an environment where your people are going to be engaged and connected and that you want to set the right tone, that you do need to talk to Shalini and work with her um, on helping you get the best out of your people and to move your organization in the right path and the right direction. So thank you again for joining us, Shalini. I know I'm going to have you back again um, on another episode. You're always doing such great things. And um, I wanted to say thank you guys for listening. Um, please visit my website at carsgroup.com. That's K-A-R-S group.com, where you will find information about me, um, my services, my products, as well as a link to um, Shalini's interview. Um, and you can listen to it then in case you were not taking notes, which you need to do. Um, and I'll have a link to our website and how you can find out more information about how to get your copy of, um, of the book the brilliant breakthroughs in, um, in, in small business. So please um, listen again. You can find our podcast at all of the platforms where podcasts are available. We invite you to join us again on our special edition of Equipped for Change that is coming out on this weekend, where I talk to you and bring you insights on personal and professional development. 
as well as circling back here on Wednesdays and Thursdays where I will release episodes that will talk specifically about mindset to mastery and how you can uh, change your mindset to master your business and professional success. Until next time, everyone stay safe, stay sane, and stay sanitized. Bye-bye.